Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. This is Michael Wagner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Melty Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 294, and we're going to uh, dip into some emails. we got a Mail Tales coming up with a friend Amanda from Lollapalooza. A little good sauce in this episode today. I'm excited about this. Amanda is a good friend of the show, and um, I'm excited to hear her story about Lollapalooza. I actually was able to watch the live stream on Hulu. Um, I was in like a group text chat with some Metal Podcast nerds, and... Um, there was some confusion about when Metallica was actually going on. Mm-hmm. So I turned on the live stream because we had a bus call that night at midnight and my daughter's out of town. So, and Isabel came on the road with us this weekend. So she was kind of packing her stuff and I was like, cool, I'll dip into the, the Hulu stream. I started watching it at seven thirty. Metallica didn't go on for like two and a half more hours. So <laughs> I watched little baby. I watched this other R and B chick. I caught a little bit of uh, Billy strings Nice. And then I got to watch like the first seven songs. So I know she was in the Snake Pit, right? She was in the Snake Pit. That's correct. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear her story. If you're wondering what the metal tell, well, first of all, if you're wondering who we are, good grief. Who are Let we? me tell you who we are. Uh, Ethan Luck, Clint Wells, two professional touring musicians on the road right now with Sony artist Morgan Wade. And uh, we make time every week in our busy touring schedules to talk about our favorite band, which is Metallica, which is nice. It's a nice thing. It's a very nice thing. We've been doing it for five and a half years. We have yet to miss a Monday, and this week's no different. Here, in our very rare 48 hours home before getting on another bus, here to talk to you about Metallica. Uh, if you're wondering what the Metal Tales are, it's where we let patrons of the show, which you'll hear about that a little later, come on and tell us either about a future show that they're going to or even a past show. Uh, maybe you saw the SM gigs. Maybe you saw the the you know the new year's eve shows in detroit maybe you saw the poor retouring me tour maybe you saw the madly and anger the world tour maybe you just saw a regular old worldwide tour show and uh, we'd love to hear those stories the way you do that's by joining us on patreon so we're going to get into this here soon do what we like to call the housekeeping hey the housekeeping everyone needs their house cleaned right we're about to clean but it before up. we do that because i it's been literally six hours since i've seen you how are you how's everything going <laughs> i'm great i'm still kind of sweaty from earlier today and loading a trailer but uh it's you look great uh, you've changed yeah. a bit, but you look fantastic. Yeah. Right. I'm not who I used to be, dude. That's right. Well, that's I'm all in the past. I'm not who I used to be. It's all in the past. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and do this at the top. We've been giving away these mystery boxes to our new patrons, and I say we just keep it rolling. Why not? Hey, keep that train rolling, man. Here we go. We've got four new patrons. I'm going to say their names right now, because the very least thing that you get is a shout-out on the show. Uh, Todd Bingham, Dominic Duschel. Mike Swagger and Derek Nineman all became new patrons. Awesome. And they're all going to get what we have been calling the Metallica Mystery Box, where I get a bunch of goodies. Ethan's got a bunch of goodies, too. We throw them in a box, all Metallica and Metal Up Your Podcast related, and then we mail them to you, mm-hmm. period. Period. As a that's way to easy. say that's thanks. as simple as that. Well, we're, we've, we're keeping up a tradition here that we've been going five and a half years strong, where we like to give back to the patrons. You have to. I mean, listen, the patrons have given us so much. 
we give them content, we give them music, and now mystery boxes. You know, yeah, I mean, I know we have Metallicaws out in the world, you know, hovering over one of our homes right now, ready to drop some Metallic gifts, but... Right. We, we've constantly channeled the spirit of Metalliclaws. That's right. And so-called Mrs. Metalliclaws, Ms. Namartikalia also, who has also been a very generous listener of the show. So uh, in that spirit, if you just heard your name, if you're the new patron of the week, uh, we're probably going to read one of your emails. You're going to get the cover of our Black and EPs. You're going to get Lunar Satan demos. You're going to get all sorts of stuff over there. Access to giveaways like Rare Vinyl. We've given away tick. We gave away tickets to S and M too. We sure did. We gave away tickets to Slain Castle. Uh, whenever we're able to do something like that, we do do it. Um, but at the very least, you get a shout out on the show. So thank you guys for that. You're going to get the mystery boxes. If you heard your name, send us an email: metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail dot com, uh, and put in the subject Patreon giveaway or mystery box. Give us your address, and we'll get it in the mail to you. As simple as that. Period. It's so easy. It's so easy, easy. Hey, and everyone's we trying did, to mail me a mystery box. We did have a moment on the bus this week where we burnt down Appetite for Destruction together, which was one of the most fun listening experiences I've had in a while. Agreed. And we were trying to decide what's better, VH1 or, or Appetite. And as we were jamming hard to Appetite, me, Clint Wells, caught up in the moment, exclaimed, this is the best debut rock album of all time, even over VH1. Yeah. And the look on Johnny Sword's face of disappointment. <laughs> he was bummed. He was disappointed. He couldn't believe it. Well, listen, I think pound for pound, I mean, you put those things against each other. I mean, this doesn't discredit Eddie Van Halen as a, a guitar player, or if you choose VH1, doesn't discredit like Slash as a lead player or whatever. It's just like, there's no, there's not one track skipper on Appetite. It's just funny because in that one moment, you would have thought just because we were so caught up in it, that we would have all just agreed, even just based on dumb passion. Because mm-hmm. we were just singing along, we were laughing and hooting and hollering, air guitaring. Yeah. And then I, of course, in my euphoric moment, made this, the claim, and he just looked so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you really took the wind out of his sails, I think. But I, really, I'm like, but Dude, I, thought, if we I thought we were all parachuting through the Guns N' Roses sky. That's what I thought. You know, and apparently... And then he, I, went and, I went and shot a hole in his parachute and sent him right back down to Earth, dude. <laughs> it was a good well, time. I am excited about, uh, we should talk a little bit about the touring that we're about to be doing. We're gonna, basically going to be on tour for three months. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, we're, we're not home a ton. You know, maybe a couple, the long, I think the longest we're home in the next like three-ish months is like eight days. But here's what's exciting. Amongst the other things, playing good shows and opening big shows for Chris Stapleton and Luke Combs and doing our own headlining shows that are mostly sold out, seeing all of our friends in the music industry on the road getting to hang out together and make music that we love um, is we have this nice BDO situation where we've got our camping chairs out on the bus and we, I've got, I've ordered a boom box that will be here tomorrow mm-hmm. just in time for y'all's bus call. And we're bringing out these little things of cassettes and uh, BDO just got a lot more interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing a, a really nice Orca cooler. An Orca cooler that we're going to put lots of Passion fruit vodka, and if we can ever find it again, I think they discontinued it after we did our episode. I think the demand was too high when we when we promoted it. So they heard the church giggles, and they're like, "This stuff really messes people up." Yeah, we, we should just like just like Jolt Cola. It, it should take be taken off the market. It's dangerous. Well, listen, the last several months of touring, we have met so many Metal Up Your Podcast listeners. So, and most of them, we've been able to get tickets to the shows. So, if you want to reach out on the various DMs or socials, uh, if we're coming to a town near you or whatever yeah. uh, an amphitheater near you come say hi we'll at least be able to get you some tickets if we can um easiest way to get a hold of us oh wait do we want to talk about t-shirts is there anything to say about t-shirts uh there's progress being made uh we are going to be releasing uh mock-up designs of some merch you can get somewhat soon 
Uh, we're going to have uh, an OG design and a brand new design by our friend Tim Brown, which I believe all you guys will, will love very much. And I think the plan is maybe uh, quarterly we're going to start rolling out some new stuff for you guys to check out. Um, who knows? Maybe some winter items, some stuff for next summer, some some tanks. Who knows? I want us to get one of those Borat esque like speedos. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for next that's summer twenty. That's the summer twenty twenty three line. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to be rolling that out soon. But wanted to let everyone know that uh, it's coming and it's exciting, and we're looking forward to it. And a quick preemptive shout out and thank you to our friend Tim Brown for always doing the coolest artwork for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we really appreciate that, Tim. We're going to read a couple of emails now. Check in on the family. And uh, the easiest way to get a hold of us to write in is Metal Up Your Podcast show. Got to put the show in there. You have to. At gmail.com. And who knows, your very email may be immortalized on one of the episodes of your favorite podcast. And who knows, might even spark up a tangent city. After all, the beanstalk sitch came from somewhere. Exactly. I don't know how it happened or where it came from, but now it's a whole thing. Now yep. there's going to be a whole thing. Have fun always. Who knows where that came from? Yeah. That'd be a neat shirt to have. Who knows? Lucius, uh, the Joyces, Brantley, Brantley, Jason. I mean, geez. I, I, actually, I can tell you where Have Fun Always came from. I shouted it at a, a, an officer of the law in Las Vegas in a parking lot. Right. And it's a wonder he did not throw you in jail for being high on mushrooms. Or maybe he just, he took my advice and he was like, you know what? That guy's not crazy. He's not high. He's smart. Maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one who's been asleep this whole time. Yeah. You're like Neo at the end of the Matrix, and you get in that telephone booth, and you wake everybody up, you give everyone the blue pill, mm -hmm. and then you fly away into the sky like Superman. Exactly. That's what I did, except I just sat in a back lounge editing one of our shows. <laughs> and here's the deal. If you are Neo, and you're the chosen one, and you realize at the end that you can stop bullets and move through time, and you get on a payphone, and you wake everyone in the world up, and then you fly away into the sky like Jesus, there's no need for a part two to that. Yeah, there really isn't, let alone... There's, what other stories are to tell? He's he's has ultimate power. Yeah, and then they went ahead and did the three sequels, so... I know, what are they doing? Dude, the third Matrix is one of the only movies I have ever paid for and walked out of. And I heard the new one they did was awful. Didn't even try to watch it. Yeah. Life too short, too presh. Too presh, man. All right, listen, write in show at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the Matrix trilogy. Maybe we'll read it on the show. <laughs> but we are going to backpack together. We're going to do a hike and camp together uh, into what we lovingly have been referring to as The Neo Neo. All right. I tell you what, let's mix it up this week and you lead us off. For yeah, real. That sounds like a great idea. I would love I would love to start for once. Good. All right. Our new uh, this is a new patron, Derek. He writes in and says, Hey Clinton Ethan, my name is Derek and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, New Jersey. New Jersey's. You two don't know. I've been looking forward to Mondays ever since I wandered across your podcast nearly two years ago. I stay current with your new material, but I'm still working on the back catalog. You, and, um, you guys and your podcast won me over a long time ago, but today was the day I finally got off my ass and became a patron of the show. Thank, Thank you, you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your industry insights, the kick-ass content you provide, and somehow thank you for deepening my love for the best metal band of all time. And he uh, gives us a list of his Met Facts. All um, right, let's hear the Met Facts. Here's, here's, all right, here's Derek's Met Facts. On board in 1985, favorite band and first album, Puppets, or sorry, sorry, favorite album and first. Puppets. His favorite band is pu called Puppets, which I haven't heard their music yet. But um, 
Oh, he's saying it's his favorite album and the first one he got. Yes, I, mis- I misread right. that. My apologies. That's okay. Favorite song, Creeping Death. Mm-hmm. Time Scene, 3, February 93, June 98, and April 2004. Next show, Buffalo, August 11th. Road trip. Nice. Well, that's going to be nice. 04 to 2022. It's quite the gap, man. I also feel like if you're going to pick three shows not in the 80s, like I get it, the 80s, Cliff, but February 93, right? So mm-hmm. Black Album World. June 98 has got to be the Poor Retouring Me Shed Tour, which I, one of my favorite tours they've ever done. Right. April 2004, Madeline Anger with the World Stadium Tour, which is also a really great year for Setlist. So yeah. those are three some pretty killer shows. Very killer shows. Uh, neither nor, nor, nor Reload are on my regular rotation, but I won't turn them off when they are playing. So he's coming around, man. And he says, lastly, Hardwired is the best album for the boys since Justice. That's so a, that's a hot take, dude. That's so a that real means hot he, take. Think, he thinks Hardwired is better than the Black Album and uh, Death, Death Magnetic. Death Magnetic. Um, well, I mean, they're obviously better. Well, not obviously. I think Hardwired fits pretty well in with Load and Reload. I think so, too. But, but it's definitely better than St. Anger. Yeah. Um, but better than the Black Album. The Black Album, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, it's it's objectively the one the, the best metal album of all time, um, yeah. and I get you know maybe there's there's some stuff reminiscent of Justice on Hardwired. So a lot of people have made those comparisons. They definitely made the comparisons with Death Magnetic, but for sure, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, this is this list is all I know about you, Derek. Other than that, you're a generous person. <laughs> and Explain yourself, sir. Who are you? Come down from the beanstalk. Um, so maybe maybe you're not a big '90s Metallica guy. You know, you saw them twice in the '90s, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I need to know more. But anyways, well, I like it. It's a hot take. Hardwired, the best album since Justice. Pretty, pretty hot take. Pretty That's hot one take. of the hottest takes I've heard in a while, actually. I'm scorching, man. Well, uh, thank you, Derek, for all you know, for writing in, for becoming a patron, for letting us in on your story. Appreciate you, dude. Preach, preach. Patrick Rhodes writes in and says, "What's up, brothers? Wanted to say thanks for being a couple of sweeties." Aw. I'm not sure I can even take credit for that, dude. I I can only be what God made me. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. So, yeah. and if and if we're made of sugar, then shoot. Maybe maybe just pour one out for your homies, Clint and Ethan, next time you're having a, a bev. Yeah. He says, first off, I've loved the deep cut dives, especially the last two. Your shortest straw breakdown was one of my favorites, being that Justice is my favorite Metallica album, and the intro to that song can definitely be tricky. Glad you guys decided to discuss that one. In case you were looking for suggestions for other deep cut dives, I would suggest, and he says parenthetically, Clint will enjoy this, Slither or House That Jack Built. Both two great tracks from the load era that don't get enough love as they should. I'd have to borrow a talk box to do the House That Jack Built. Well, Do we know anyone with a talk box? Does Paul have one? Oh yeah, Paul has one. I, I, I use one on, on Let It Burn. Okay, cool. Well, uh, maybe I'll borrow that and figure that out. He says, also, I wanted to thank you guys for making me a fan of Morgan Wade. I've heard you guys talk about her plenty of times on the podcast, and back in December, I finally decided to listen to Reckless while on the train going into New York. He says, I enjoyed it so much. I listened to it on the way back home as well. Immediately bought it on vinyl. Haven't stopped listening since. Very cool. Also, in the past few weeks, I decided to dive into the Discord family. Was delighted by the warm welcome I received from so many people on the forum. It's been great so far getting to see the fun and interesting conversations everyone has there. Great to have this extended community where everyone can talk and share without the chaos of a typical social media comment section. So if you're not sure what that is, there's a free Discord, which is basically a, a Metal Up Your Podcast message board. Mm-hmm. Um, the link to it is going to be in the description of the show, however you listen to this podcast. If you can't find the link or you need help figuring out how to get connected to it, you can always send us a DM or an email. But it's basically a message board with all sorts of different topics. There's a lot of Metallica talk. There are, you know, there are different threads, even for each upcoming Metallica show, where people who are going can link up and meet up for like a pre-show hang, a post-show hang. There are even people who are sort of bundling together to get hotel rooms, 
to make financial sense of traveling to see the boys. But then there's also threads about movies that people like, records people are listening to, musicians are sharing songs they're writing. There's a sports channel for those of us who enjoy talking about sports. So um, I encourage everyone who's interested in that sort of thing, who's online, as it were, right, uh, to check out the Discord. It's free, easy. You just get a username. And then before you know it, you're chatting with like-minded knuckleheads about the podcast and beyond. So it's everyone good, check out the Discord. Yeah, it's a good time over there. He says, speaking of which, Clint, I think I might have created a new beanstalk situation with our conversation about how social media causes extreme tribalism and outrage in people, even about people's differing opinions about music. A wild topic, but always interesting to hear your thoughts on the subject. Anyway, before I go on for too long, thanks for all that you guys have been doing. Wishing you both the best. And hopefully you guys will be able to make it over to New Jersey and I can buy you guys a drink. Until then, peace, love, and have fun always. Patrick Roach, Ocean County, New Jersey. And he says, this is actually the real New Jersey. The real New Jersey. Which I get. I get that. Well, thanks, uh, Patrick. Appreciate you, dude. Glad you're on the Discord. Glad you're on the ride with us. Thanks for writing in. And uh, more to come, for well, sure. Welcome aboard, Patrick. Welcome uh, Dave aboard. Ferraro, a good buddy from Boston, writes in and says, what up, Dave? What's up, brothers? Uh, I realized I haven't actually properly emailed the show in a long time. The top 10 deep cuts list put an idea in my head. Based on the total number of times the boys have played them, what are the most rare songs that I've personally seen live? Here are my top 10 with the total number of times played in parentheses. Okay, uh, from, from 10 to 1. Confusion played 31 times. He's seen it twice, both at SNM too. Number 9, Trapped Under Ice played 22 times, twice for him. Number 8, My Friend of Misery played 21 times. He's seen it once, the Black Album and Full Show. Number seven, Don't Tread on Me, played 20 times, same as Misery. Uh, number six, Struggle Within, played 20 times, same as above, is a uh, black album, full show. Number five, The Outlaw Torn, played 16 times. He's seen it four times. SNM one, SNM two, and once without the symphony. Hmm. Um, number four, Unforgiven three, played 10 times. He's seen it twice at SNM two. Number three, All Within My Hands, has been played seven times. He's seen it twice, also at SNM two. Number two, Minus Human played four times. He saw it at SNM one and in, oh, sorry, SM one in New York City. And then number one, do I actually have to type out Fixer? Is what he says. Those are some pretty good rare ones. Oh, rare v- ones. Very good. He also says honorable mentions: Dirty Window, Dire's Eve, My Apocalypse, Devil's Dance, and Overkill. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, Dave Ferraro from Boston, Massachusetts, New Jersey. Well, it, may, it just makes me think of like what are the rarest ones I've seen? I've you know I I've seen Spit Out the Bone, but I'm not sure how rare that is because they played it on most of the World Wired tour. Mm-hmm. I saw the coolest one I think I've seen is Dream No More. And we saw that together in Birmingham. We saw that, yeah. Uh, I saw Through the Never. Um, seen, back seen, when I saw... when I, well, One of the things I put on the Discord was like, well, I actually got to see an entire 90 minutes of the band Minus <laughs> James butchering their own songs with Kid Rock and Jonathan Davis from Korn. That's right. That's pretty, that's pretty unique. Call that a rare um, show, yeah. I don't think anyone else who went other than went to those couple of shows has seen Metallica play American Badass mm-hmm. uh, poorly. Um, but I did, I'm trying to remember the, the, so the rare stuff that I saw then was I saw So What, which I don't think they'll ever play again. Yeah. I saw Die, Die, My Darling. I saw No Leaf Clover and I saw I Disappear. Mm-hmm. But you got to see the Beyond Magnet or the, uh, World, World Magnetic, Magnetic Tour. Yeah, they did like so you probably got to see all, on that. You got to see probably All Nightmare Long, yep. Judas Kiss. Yep. Did you see My Apocalypse? My Apocalypse was at the show I did, yeah. What else can you think of? What did we get that was rare in Detroit? Like Motor Breath? Yeah, maybe I've seen, Motor Breath. I, I've seen a lot of the Kill em All. I saw Hit the Lights, Motor Breath, Four Horsemen, Whiplash. Yeah, that's cool. Four Horsemen would be awesome to see live. I've never seen anything that rare from Justice. I have seen Blackened. Yeah, yeah, Blackened we, we saw together in Detroit. Yep. Um, it, I mean, the World World War Tour on, in the stadiums was a little tough because they were they were it was a fairly safe set list on that tour, but a little but, nug, a little yeah. nugget here and there. 
But I did see Confusion and I saw Dream No More. Yeah. So I feel, and I saw Spit. Yeah. But you and I, it's because of, our, we've been touring our whole adult lives. So it's been harder for you and I to, I mean, I hadn't, when I saw them in 2017 was the first time I'd seen them in 17 years. Yeah. And then you didn't even see them until for the first time until 2008, right? 2009, 2009, 2010. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, I mean, literally in my touring life, every time they came to Southern California or, or Nashville, I was on the road, and so I could never go. The one that they did in Nashville where Lemmy came out, I was. Out I of know, time. I know. You know, um, but I mean, listen, we've seen some awesome shows. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to happen again one of these days soon. It's an interesting topic. If you have, if you've seen some really interesting deep cuts live. Maybe write in show at gmail.com. Let us know what the uh, rarest songs you've seen are. Yeah. And of course, I think there was a whole thread about that on the Discord. Another reason to check out the Discord, there was like a whole day where people were talking about uh, the coolest, rare songs they've seen. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Dave. Always good to hear from you, dude. Rob oh, yeah. Darcy writes in, Hey, Clint Ethan, really enjoyed a lot of the recent content, but agree that the podcast serves to bring together Metallica fans and allows us all to pivot to all the crazy stuff that life can bring, as well as what moves and motivates us as music fans. He says, the Beatles and Dylan episodes in this respect have been awesome, as I've been a lifelong fan of both, as has the rest of my family. It's been especially cool to hear the Dylan podcast and realize how much deeper uh, Clint has gotten in a relatively short space of time, compared to me, who could only afford slash justify buying the quote-unquote big Dylan albums before streaming was a thing, which he calls the big ones, Free Will and Bob Dylan, Bring It All Back Home, Highway 61, Blonde on Blonde, Blood on the Tracks, and Basement Tapes, which I agree are the big ones. Um... He says, it was cool to hear all of this other stuff you'd fallen in love with, and I hope to explore listening to the podcast again with my dad to find his opinion on what you've discovered and felt about Dylan and the legend through your recent binge on his career. He'll definitely be glad to hear of your love of Mr. Tambourine Man, as this was one he used to play for as long as I can remember back to when I was a small child and probably influenced my being a guitarist, which is cool. A song about a tambourine man inspired you to be a guitar player. That's amazing. It's, I mean, it's kind of a shame you're not a tambourine player or tambourinist. <laughs> But uh, hey, well, guitar's, guitar's good. What's really weird is the song is he's basically asking the tambourine man to play him a song because he's he's really tired, but he can't fall asleep. Right. And I'm not sure a tambourine player is my number one choice for a lullaby. That, but that's the genius of Dylan. Yeah, man. I mean, he he heard something we didn't, I guess. And by the way, if anyone just wants to read lyrics on a page, you don't even have to listen to it. I get it. Dylan's voice bothers some people. Check out the lyrics of Mr. Tambourine Man. Def mm. I think they're some of his best and some of the best lyrics ever. To dance beneath the diamond sky with one hand waving free, silhouetted by the sea. It's just fucking poetry, That's dude. Beautiful. It's awesome. Okay, um, a little more here. He says, anyway, all that said, I love the massive love and appreciation that both of you have had for the Beatles since Get Back came out. So cool to share that ride and your enthusiasm for the documentary, which I was lucky enough to share with my mom and dad during the last part of lockdown over Christmas. He says, so this brings me to my question. Have you ever heard the illustrious Beatallica? And would you be interested in doing a podcast playing this back and letting listeners know your thoughts? I feel this would really seal the deal in bridging the gap between the trues who may still be unsure about the Beatles and those like myself who love the band. I loved the album when it came out, thought it was excellent quality creatively and wondered what you thought, especially inspired after hearing the reggae Bob Dylan you had on the podcast. And then he sends us a link to it. Anyway, that's all for now. Have fun always. Best wishes to you both. Hope you're having a blast out on the road, which we definitely are. Your friend Rob DRC from Richmond, New North Yorkshire, England, and then he, of course, he writes New Jersey. Oh yes, the North Yorkshire portion of New Jersey. We should definitely that would be a fun episode to do on the road. Metallica. Yeah, just listen to it down together. I've got some. I actually have uh, some other stuff that someone gave me years ago. So this, around the same time, I got the Hot Summer Nights compilation or the Bad Demos compilation. <laughs> 
But I've actually never really I've I've heard like bits and pieces of it. Matt kind of mashup stuff's not super my thing. Right. But I think it would be fun to listen to and I kind of have the the fun benefit of having never heard it before. So Right, yeah. There's there, there's, you know, there's, there's some good little moments in it for sure. You know, it, okay. it's it's parody, you know, so it's it's kind of like you can after a song or two, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But it's well, fun. Let's put it on the uh, back burner for sure. All right. Thanks, cool. Rob. Thank you, Rob. Uh, all right. Our next email is from Adam D. Uh, hey, Cle- Clinton, Ethan, and Paul. I first, oh. I first heard about your podcast while listening to Alpha Metallica last year, but only checked you guys out when you guys did the 40th anniversary shows. And without listening to any other episode, I went back to episode one. It's taken me seven months, but I can happily say that I complete, I'm completely up to date. And what must it be like for someone to binge our lives for seven months? It's got to be weird, right? Because we've got to be a little different than we were when we started. I would imagine so. I mean... Like, the show's got to be... Could you imagine going through and like just hearing all the characters get born? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I would love to do it. I'd love to go... Maybe, maybe when this podcast is long done, I'll just go on the ride and see what it's like. Just go out in the woods, string your hammock up, and just start listening. For seven months? <laughs> yeah. Hey, babe, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I got to take a sabbatical. Uh, what are you going to yeah. do? What, you, you need to find yourself? No, I just want to listen to our, our old show. Uh, you know, all whatever seven years of it or something. It'll, t- it'll only take me seven months. It's fine. Yeah, I just want to listen to me and Ethan talk for three hundred and fifty hours about Metallica. Yeah, and you'll figure something out. I'm doing this for us, though. If you don't hear from me in six months, move on. <laughs> find, find someone, fall in love, and find someone new. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt the email. Oh, it's all good. As Adam says, uh, it, uh, it's been an amazing, enjoyable journey for, uh, to get there. I feel like I know you guys so well, and it warms my heart to hear you guys talk so passionately about the greatest metal band of all time and Amen. show how much you love them, uh, as well as the guests you've had on who share the same love. I just want to say how much I love and appreciate everything you guys do for the Metallica family. I've learned so much about the band, and I've even learned so much about music. It's helped me a lot. I picked up the guitar for the first time a year ago, and your insight into music has helped my, uh, helped my playing and understanding of music greatly. So thank you. Well, that's really cool. Uh, I, can't, awesome. I can't wait for Metallica to finally come to Australia. And I think you, uh, if you guys aren't touring, you should head down under. It would be amazing to have an Australian Melpier podcast party where Clint mistakenly eats someone's meat pie. <laughs> 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 Anyways, thanks so much. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Love um, for me, Adam Debussy, Debussy. Sydney, Sydney, Australia, uh, New Goddamn Jersey. Well, yeah, we could have like a, we, we would call that meat pie gate, I guess. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, I was thinking he was going to say steal someone's dingo and eat it or something like that. (laughs) Dingo gate. I mean, I'd like to think that I've evolved from whoever that man was who drunkenly ate uh, Metal Mike's burrito. It made for a great story, though. It really did. It really made for a great story. Um, I want to once again apologize to Metal Mike for taking his burrito that I'm sure he was really looking forward to eating. Although, once again, in my defense, it sat there a long time. It It sat there so long... That in my na- my what I'll call late night logic, I thought for sure it had been abandoned. Yeah. And here's how I grew up: I grew up with scarce food, and I was always taught to clean my plate because right. there were children starving all over the world. So I'm not going to let a burrito just slip past me in the night, dude. Uneaten, unloved, unadored, yeah, be a shame. undigested. It would be a shameful thing. Um, unfortunately, the amount of time that I imagined had gone by was probably not really correlated with the reality of time it, it was still piping hot is what he said <laughs> he had put it down for 30 he, he went to just wash his hands and in that time i'd already eaten the entire thing yeah it was um, incredible well thanks adam for the really sweet email i'm really glad that part of the podcast could inspire you to, to pick up the guitar and play music and 
Uh, it's really cool, dude. Very cool. All right. Caleb Wisehart. Last email. Says, what's up, brothers? Longtime listener. Second time emailer. I inexplicably got way behind on the show during 2020, but I finally got on that Patreon train a couple months ago, which thank you, by the way. Thank you. And I've been steadily binging to catch up since. I must say, it's been a great source of joy to catch up with my Metallica buddies. He says, here's my question. I know Lars's drumming has been the subject of much uh, SHIT talking, and I know you both back him as a drummer, but in your sage opinion, are the simpler Metallica songs a good place to start for an adult onset drummer? I've played guitar and bass since middle school, and now at almost 30, I finally have regular access to a drum kit, so I plan to begin practice. I know Lars has some odd habits like hitting crashes on two, but is there anything else I should try to avoid? Also, any songs you'd recommend as a good starting point, Metallica or otherwise, would be much appreciated. Alternatively, I do live in a small shuttle bus, so if Ethan wants to let me park in the driveway and give me lessons, I can be there next week. Thanks, Caleb. Currently, Pensacola, New Jersey. P.S. Clint may remember meeting me in the Minneapolis airport. I guess it was the first time he'd been recognized in the wild for the podcast. And to this day, it's the most starstruck I've ever been. Love you guys. Peace, naughty us. So real quick, before you give out some uh, drumming advice. Yeah. I met him in the airport, Caleb, and we I was doing Rodney shows. Yeah, that's a while ago. And I'm just in an airport like restaurant getting a sandwich or something. And a guy was like, hey, are you Clint Wells? And uh, I thought he was a Rodney fan, and I thought he had like come to the show the night before. And so I was like, yeah, so were you at the show? And he was like, what show? The podcast? I was like, no, the show we played last night at the Whatever Festival. He's like, no, I'm I'm just a fan of the podcast. Dude, I just saw you, so and I, cool. I, he was like, I've seen your social media that you were like up in this part of the world, but I didn't think I'd see you at the airport. And dude, I was seriously stunned. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, so that's that's fun. Uh, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. So he he's got a couple of questions. First of all, um, what is there anything he should avoid that Lars does? Um, not necessarily. I mean, because a lot of what Lars does is really cool. You know, the crash on the two thing, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. He does it a lot and it's kind of his signature thing. Well, yeah. another drummer that really does that a lot is Mick Fleetwood. If you go listen to the song Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, which yeah. is probably their greatest song, you'll hear a lot of crashes on two. And the thing about it is you're going to have to find your own voice no matter what. But the way that most people find that is by digesting and sucking in all of their influences. Mm -hmm. And you you spend a good bit of time emulating your heroes before you figure out what your deal is. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think the best thing you can do, and this is just from a musician, I know that I'm not a drummer, but play the songs that you love the most. Exactly. And I would suggest, honestly, playing a lot of ACDC. Like, play Back yeah, in Black, dude. I, I was going to bring up ACDC. Or if, if you want to kind of go more uh, simple, you know, drumming on Metallica songs, a song like Sabbath True is pretty simple. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there's nothing crazy about it. It's pretty meat and potatoes, kind of like ACDC. You know, there's a few songs on the Black Album that are like that. Um, but yeah, ACDC, I mean, if you're picking up drums for the first time, I mean, as long as you just learn a straight 4-4 four, four beat with a, a kick drum on the kick drum on the one and a snare on the three, then you can play almost their whole catalog. You know? There's a fam there's a famous story about Matt Chamberlain, who, if you guys don't know, is like a really renowned live and session drummer, played for Tori Amos forever, Fiona Apple. He makes a ton of records in Nashville now, Seattle mm -hmm. guy originally. There's a story that in, in whatever, you know, I don't know if he went to Berkeley or whatever, but some prestigious music school, there was like the dorm, the dorm of drummers, right? And you'd walk through the hallway and it would just be these guys doing Neil Peart type, you know, Terry Bazio stuff. And you'd walk by Matt Chamberlain's room and he was just doing kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, yeah. snare, just honing his timing. And everyone like, probably and walked honing, by his room going like, oh, that guy isn't where we are. Or he sucks or whatever. Totally. But he was just honing that pocket. 
so I think your ability to play in a pocket is more important than, than necessarily like histrionics with chops, your ability to listen. And I wouldn't you say even like expanding your knowledge of different kinds of beats, which yeah. a lot of people do through like rudiments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do rudiment stuff, like little exercises to, to help you out with like timing and just and even just like stick control, uh, wrist control, as far as like sometimes you lead with your left hand or your right. right. Um, but yeah, like Clint's kind of, Clint's right on this, where it's like, you know, learn like, learn kind of like just the stuff that sounds really basic, but in reality, you know, there's that pocket we're talking about does take some time. You can learn that beat, but maybe it won't sound just like Phil Rudd from ACDC or... If I'm learn if I learned a Bob Marley song, I'm not going to sound just like one of the Barrett brothers on drums. Or, but it, it's all very simple. But it's just finding it's just doing something consistently enough and over and over again to the point where it feels boring. It, that's the kind yeah. of the road you take to get that locked in. And that's what it's like learning like on a guitar, like just learning scales. You have to just cram them in, so you have to just do them over and over and over. Yeah, and it can be a little boring, but you're you're just establishing fundamentals, right? Yep, exactly. It's interesting you mentioned reggae. So I did an IG Live with Rachel Loy, who's in the band Tension Machine with me, which you play in that band as well. And she's one of the best bass players that I've ever worked with. And someone asked her in the IG Live, like, what should I listen to or want to play along with to get started? And she basically said any any great reggae mm-hmm. was one of her answers because it's simple enough to get under your fingers and like feel like you're succeeding and doing it, being musical, but there's also a lot of fundamental, simple fundamental things that you're learning yeah, for to sure. get those rhythms, to get those pockets. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um, needless to say, best of luck to you. And uh, I encourage anyone out there that's thinking about it to pick up an instrument, even if you know you're not going to play professionally or or be the you know virtuoso at it. Being able to sit in a room and play your favorite songs is incredibly cathartic and therapeutic. Yeah. And it's something you can do, you know, you, it, you don't age out of that, you know? Totally. Um, so we're going to wrap it up here. If you want to write in, have your uh, email read on the show, show at gmail.com. We're going to kick it now to the Metal Tales and hear from our friend Amanda. And thank you to Amanda for supporting the show. Yes. If you want to become a future ambassador for a show you've been to, you do that by becoming a patron. Come see us on the road. We love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Peace. Adios. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here. And we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SNM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. (laughs) I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different.
Metallica is now a five-piece, guys. But there's more. There's also a Ginsu knife. Ooh. No. That's just like the one in the, in the on the show. Oh, what? what the fuck? Man, there yeah. you go, bro. Well, we could sign it and fuck it all up for you. Yeah. Would you mind? Not at all. Welcome to Metal Tales from the Road. This is Ethan, and I am uh, joined by a chapter head in Minnesota, Amanda Hefner, who recently went to the Lollapalooza show in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, we got a great set list, uh, lots of fun things that happened to that show, very unique compared to other shows, and uh, we're going to talk to Amanda about all that stuff. So how are you, Amanda? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm sure Clint feels the same way at home right now. We're both very exhausted. We got home at like two in the morning last night from a show, and I couldn't fall asleep until about four in the morning, and then I slept till about eight, and here we are. And after this, we got to go load a bunch of gear onto another trailer. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun day. Hell yeah. I feel similarly about my sleeping experience after Lollapalooza. When I got back, I couldn't fall asleep till about three in the morning because I was just so hyped. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was kind of following from afar while we were doing shows, but you know, uh, a lot of friends of the podcast were there. Uh, I'm hoping you got to meet up with some of them. Maybe um, a lot of cool stuff, like I said earlier, happened at the show. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked to hear all about it. And this is your first Metal Tales ever. It is. Which is very exciting for everybody involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we're, we're, we're really happy to hear. I'm happy for the uh, Metal Podcast family to hear your story. We're going to get your, you know, your Metallica origin story to start off, of course, as we uh, usually do. Um, yeah. So before we get into Lollapalooza, let's talk about, you know, when you got into the band, uh, how you got into the band, favorite record, favorite songs, things like that. For sure. Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when I got into Metallica. I don't think there was any like defining single moment, but more like a gradual progression into the, um, you know, diehard fandom. <laughs> right. Um, I think I got into Metallica somewhere around middle school, a little bit before Death Magnetic came out. Death Magnetic came out when I was in eighth grade. And I remember getting into, of course, like Master of Puppets and Sad But True and pretty much the entirety of kill them all before that. And then as it just so happened, they released that record. And I remember going out to Best Buy to buy it. 
when you could still go there and get CDs. And I took it home with me, put it in my computer, uploaded it to iTunes and was just so hooked on that. I mean, I, like I said, have been listening to Metallica before Death Magnetic came out, but I feel like that was the album that just instantly sucked me right in. And I just loved the riffage. I loved how heavy it was. And then that just, you know, was a catalyst for getting into all of it. What a cool record to come come in on uh, as far as like, you know, the, the first new Metallica album for you, because, you know, all of us that have been, you know, Metallica fans since we were in junior high or whatever, which for me was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> you know, that must have been such a cool record as far as the first new one to hear, because it was kind of their return to form record. And, you know, the solos back on the record, it was very thrashy, uh, you know, similar to Hardwired. To me, there's a lot of stuff on Death Magnetic that it's kind of reminiscent of their whole catalog, you know, a song like the day that never comes, for instance, it's kind of like an, a, you know, it's another maybe continuation of fade to black or sanitarium or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, I don't know if it was right when, when the record came out or maybe shortly after, but I also remember watching those like studio clips on YouTube of them, you know, doing re- demos and, you know, James recording riffs. And I was just like, yeah, just seeing the process behind the scenes for a band as big as Metallica as someone who was just kind of getting into them at the time, it made it like super easy to really feel connected with them just because I feel like they're very open Mm -hmm. and, you know, just getting to see James lay down such insane riffs. I was just like, God, like, (laughs) yeah, they're, they're good. They can play. And as someone who, you know, was getting into metal around that time, like I said, it just instantly hooked me. What do you think it is about uh, heavy metal music, you know, maybe maybe even pre death magnetic that kind of captured you or captured your attention? That's a really good question. I mean, or, or, or let me ask you this too: a little, little pre question into that one is, what were you kind of listening to before you got into any metal? Yeah, that's what's interesting about it is my parents are not metalheads at all. I mean, my mom loves country music. She loves stuff like Alan Jackson and Tim McGraw and those guys. And so I listened to a lot of country growing up and my dad loves classic rock, loves the Beatles, loves Pink Floyd. So I kind of got those two spectrums. And then when I started kind of diving into my own musical adventure of finding what I like to listen to, of course, it was things like My Chemical Romance and, you know, some emo and hardcore. And then I got into metal and it was just something about the heaviness and how raw it is. I just instantly connected with that. I mean, I just, you know, like James always says, it lit me up when I listened to it. It just really made me so excited. And I felt like this is my thing. Like I, this is me. That's so cool. And you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, some kind of like emo music, like chemical, chemical romance, things like that. You know, there's elements of, of metal in a lot of those bands as well. You know, obviously with hardcore too, like, you know, more modern hardcore is very heavy and a lot of chugging and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I loved, you know, two of the My Chemical Romance records, you know, Black Parade and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Right? Mm-hmm. R- really awesome records. I went and saw them live here in Nashville one time with Muse opening of all bands. Um, wow. Opening. Like, oh, yeah, they were direct support. They were like second of three. But Oh, okay. But, you know, that's the cool thing about bands like that is, you know, someone like you might have gotten into that. And because of maybe a slight heaviness in a lot of their music, then all of a sudden when you hear something like Metallica or maybe Megadeth or Anthrax, whoever that kind of resonates because you've already kind of maybe been primed a little bit like, okay, like I've already resonated with these records and then this is almost like the next level. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think there's like subconsciously, I definitely was not thinking about this when I was listening to metal, but also that validation of like, none of my friends like this. And this is kind of just my thing. And it just felt very personal. Yeah, it, it, it totally does. I mean, I, I went through those phases a lot, especially in junior high is kind of one of those eras too, where, you know, early teen years where you, you really connect with something musically. For me, it was meeting just other dudes in my in seventh grade that were a year older than me. And I would just, and I, you know, at the time, like I knew, you know, who Metallica was. I had seen the one video. I'd got the black album on cassette at the time. But then all of a sudden I see these dudes in Metallica shirts at school and I'm like, oh, I need to meet those guys. Like, cause you know, I'm, I have a twin sister and she was not into anything I was into, you know, we're twins, <laughs> but like, yeah. And musically it's like, you know, at the time she was into like, you know, new kids on the block and Debbie Gibson, you know, Tiffany and all the kind of pop stuff. And then I gravitated towards harder music and her and her friends, like I hung out with the dudes that were known as like, you know, the rockers at school, you mm -hmm. know, and she kind of hung out with what were called the bops. The bops. the bops. I love that. Yeah. The bops, <laughs> the bops at school were the, were the, were the mainly girls who were into that kind of pop music, you know? Um, and then I hung out with all the long haired metalheads, you know, but, uh, but it's exciting at that age in junior high when you, Cause you feel like nobody else has heard this before. You know, you're kind of alone in it at first and you're like, surely someone else knows about this, you know? And then you, when you finally meet other people that are into it, it's, it's so fun to, you know, talk with them about it. And then all of a sudden you're getting exposed to even more music of that genre. Yeah, definitely. And that is the eventual reason why I ended up starting a Metallica chapter just so I could meet like-minded nuts and knuckleheads who are as enthusiastic and passionate about the band as I am. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I would tell everyone you about your, about the, uh, the, the chapter you're involved with and that you started, you're the founder, you're the, the, the president. Um, yes. <laughs> there's, as we know, there's chapters all over the country, all over the world, uh, multiples in each state. Um, but I know there's, a, uh, I think, is there a couple in Minnesota? There's two officially. There's also trapped under ice who, right is my, I guess, predecessor, you could say, but I founded and run a chapter called Minnesota Militia, a playoff of Metallica song, Metal Militia. Of course, yeah. Um, it's Minnesota Met Club on Instagram, but yeah, that's me. That's pretty cool. So yeah, if, if, you're, uh, if you're living in Minnesota and you want to get involved with this, follow them on Instagram and get connected. And uh, yeah, you can get nutty with people like Amanda and a bunch of other people that are, are, are in that chapter who are a bunch of nerds like us. <laughs> yep, for sure. What, what is, is there really anything involved in, in being the head of the chapter or is it kind of like you just started it and maybe every once in a while there's a show and it's like, hey, put email blast or Instagram, social media blast. We're meeting up at this show in, you know, whatever, Minneapolis or something. Yeah. I mean, it's really not too involved. I just kind of, after the... I think it was September 4th, 2018 show at the Target Center in Minneapolis. I was very fortunate enough to win a meet and greet with the band. And, um, you know, shortly after that show and getting that experience, I was like, I want to be more than just a regular fan. I mean, I want to take it to the next level and start a chapter and, you know, just connect with other people in my area who also just love Metallica. Right. And so I thought about it for a couple of weeks and I was like, well, there's already another chapter here. Like, do I really want to, you know, double up? But I know people from, you know, all over the world have multiple chapters in the same state or the same country. So I was like, well, yeah, I kind of want to make it my own and do my own thing, run it how I want to run it. 
And so I did. And it's super easy. I just contacted Jeff, who was in charge of local chapters and hooked up with him and created a logo and was like, here's what I got. Here's five people who are interested in joining. Can we be a chapter? And sure enough, he was like, yep, sounds great. And since then, the, (laughs) the five people that you start out with, it's just grown exponentially. And the thing that I love about it is it's not just people from Minnesota. I mean, there's people from all over the country and all over the world. And it's just like this really great community of people that I've gotten to know and connect with. That's so cool. That's so cool. Do you have an idea of kind of what number you're at as far as chapter members? That's a really great question. Um, we just did I a assume more than five, more than five. <laughs> yes. Probably officially. I like to consider a lot of people officially part of the chapter, but officially probably around a hundred plus. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever done or thought of doing any kind of like meet, like non Metallica related meetups? Like or not, I guess not centered around their tour schedule or anything like that. Hey, we're going to meet at this pub and hang out and things like that. Have you done anything like that so far? I haven't yet. I would love to do that, especially after being in the snake pit and having two fellow Minnesota buds on the rail with me. But yeah, I mean, I started the chapter, like I said, it was official in like 2019. And then I was busy with grad school and then COVID hit. So it's like, there hasn't really been a chance to do that, but I would I, I'm thinking of scheduling something here in the next coming weeks for sure. There you go. That's awesome. And hopefully the next time we come through uh, Minnesota, we can uh, meet you and some other uh, chapter members and go out for a beer or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Um, so let's talk about kind of your journey to getting to the show. Uh, Lollapalooza has been announced for a while, obviously. Um, bummed that we couldn't be there, of course. We'd love to be at every Metallica show, but of course with our schedules, it's near impossible. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> did you... Uh, immediately hit up the chapter members, like who's all going roll call kind of thing for the show. Um, anything like that, or just kind of, I guess, kind of walk us through, you know, your journey to get to Lollapalooza. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, especially looking back, having one snake that passes, I was on the fence about going to Lollapalooza because I've never seen Metallica at a festival before. And I was like, well, either it could rock and be a lot of fun, or it could be annoying because it seems like it's kind of a free for all. You have to of course, stand out there all day if you want to get close. And there's a bunch of other acts that were at Lollapalooza I just did not care about or even know. (laughs) Right. Like, it just seemed like Metallica was such the oddball for this lineup. It was a lot of hip hop and rap and, you know, electronic music. And like I said, I didn't know more than two other bands that were on Thursday's lineup. So I was like, well, not that I'd go to see them because my you know, focus was Metallica, but I was like, do I really want to go to Lollapalooza? And then I was like, it, it's Chicago. It's so close. Like I can't pass up the opportunity to go. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, when the show was announced, I was back and forth a little bit. And then I was locked in, bought my ticket, kind of did a roll call on the forums to see who was going. And turns out tons of people were going. I was going to go by myself to the show since it was on a Thursday. Um, and I knew the, the Shitalica guys were thinking about hosting a pre-party and meeting up and stuff like that. And I know a couple of them personally. So I was like, I'll have people there and, you know, slowly, but surely the list of folks that I knew were, it was growing. And so I was really excited to get down there. And then gosh, getting to Lollapalooza itself was a little bit of a mess because (laughs) it's downtown (laughs) Chicago. It's like in a park surrounded by downtown, basically. Right. And then, and the day before I opted to fly 
and not drive. It's only like a seven hour drive. I could have done it, but I had a lot of points with Southwest. And so I was like, I'm just going to, you know, book with points. It's less than an hour flight. And sure enough, we get in the air and right before we're about to go into midway, a huge storm cell hits. Of course. (laughs) And I didn't know this at the time, but somebody on the discord explained this to me because I was thinking how in the world it's less than an hour flight. How does the pilot or the crew not put enough fuel to wait it out and land into midway? (laughs) Because that's Mm -hmm. what happened. We ran out of fuel. We couldn't hover in the air for that long in a holding pattern. And so we got diverted to Grand Rapids, Michigan and had to sit there on the tarmac refueling and waiting for Midway to open back up for about three hours. And so I assume this was the day before the show. It was the day before. That's good. That's good. You see how you had a time cushion. I did. Yeah. But the thing that was a bummer is, you know, the Shitalica chapter had two kind of meetups planned at Kuma's restaurant and I was going to go and was not able to because of how long it took to get into Chicago. But yeah, very thankful that the delays happened the day before and not the day of, because I would be completely losing my mind if I was not able to get, get in there. But yeah, so that was a bit of a mess and an adventure, but I eventually got in at like eight 30 at night, went to sleep as much as I could. Cause I was so excited about waking up and having snake pit passes and just rushing, rushing to get in there. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's great that you, you know, end up splurging for the snake pit passes. So like you said, you wouldn't have to wait around all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious on the, on the, uh, was, was it Dave Ferraro on the discord server that talked to you about the flight stuff? Cause he works for Southwest. So I think it probably was. He's our resident Southwest employee. Yeah. There was a, there was a funny, we actually haven't even, uh, I don't think we even posted about this. Dave might've on, on discord, but, uh, we had a, a really amazing two worlds colliding moment between him and Paul. Um, Paul was flying up to Boston to start a run of shows with Ann Wilson, who he plays for. And Dave Ferraro is down, uh, I think grabbing some baggage, like, like some gate checked baggage to bring up, uh, onto the jetway. And he, comes up there he's waiting and he's setting these baggage baggage excuse me bags down and here comes paul and he immediately goes paul <laughs> and they took a they Aww. took a photo together and he texted to us it was really cool to see that they just absolutely random in the wild that paul and dave met at the airport yeah that's so awesome it was pretty cool uh, outside of any like chapter people that you know uh any anybody uh that you were planning on meeting up with that maybe you know through the podcast or anything like that Um, I think everybody that I was planning on meeting up with was through the forums or through other chapters. Um, I know there were a couple people through the podcast that were there, but probably unfortunately didn't win snake pit passes. So I didn't end up seeing them, which is a bummer because I had a couple people, you know, send me messages of like, Hey, like I'm Mm -hmm. going to, and I was like, shoot, like we're probably not going to see each other because I'm going to sit in that snake pit all day long. I know like Sarah Sobeck and, and, you know, um, Pete. Aaron Ginther were all there. Um, they, they, okay, yes, I did see did, them. Okay. I think they were in the snake pit, I believe. At least from the photo that, that Sarah posted where James is right in front of her, it looked like the snake pit. I couldn't really tell the angle. but Yeah, I saw them when I was walking out to get food or use the restroom or something because they were on the rail. And I don't think originally had snake pit passes. And I was like, oh, like, hey, guys. And I stopped to chat for a second and said hello. And then before Metallica came on, they were, you know, just a couple of couple people over from me and i was like i don't care how you guys got in here i'm so stoked that Mm -hmm. you're here and you know we were waving and smiling and 
Aaron was like, are you ready for this, Amanda? Yeah. Like, are you going to be able to contain your emotions? And I was like, absolutely not. I'm just so stoked to be here. That's really cool. We actually, uh, me and Clint were talking about Aaron and Sarah just last week because we were in Detroit for a day off and we were going to a Tigers game just for fun. And we passed by this place called Hockey Town Cafe. It's like a big hockey themed bar or whatever. And that's where we met Sarah and Aaron. Um, back when me and Clint and Paul drove all the way from Nashville to Detroit to see Metallica and did like our live show at this bar, which looking back was kind of like, man, we were really brave <laughs> just to like, <laughs> just a bold move to set up in a bar and just talk, try to talk to random Metallica fans. Yeah. I can but see we, that. You know, the plus side is that we, that's how we met Sarah and Aaron. So that was, that's what, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's um, great. so you weren't able to go to any pre-parties, like you said, um, did you do anything, you know, before getting to the festival grounds? Because I'd imagine you're, you're getting there later because you have snake pit passes. Yeah. Well, it was, I wasn't really sure how it was going to work. And so a couple of us who had snake pit passes were like, we're just going to get there right when the gates open and go to the stage, check it out. Because, you know, I listened to Linda's metal tales when she had snake pit passes and she talked about, you know, she could stay in there all day and just kind of camp out because, you know, it's going to be a great view no matter where you are in the snake pit. But being the nut that I am, I want it to be right on the dip, <laughs> right where they yeah, come down sure. on the side of the stage. So, you know, I was like, I don't care if I have to go and scope it out and stand there for 10 hours, which is what ended up happening. Wow. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to go and see if I could just get there and secure my spot. Cause like I said, I didn't really care about any other bands that were there. And so yeah, when the gates opened, it was just a beeline for the T-Mobile stage and a couple people who didn't have Snake Pit were just running. And it's kind of a meme. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a video of the quote unquote Metallica guy shot from a helicopter. Okay. And this guy just like right when the gates open, he's the only person just sprinting. And Lollapalooza is huge. Massive, yeah. I mean, it's a long, I've never been before, yeah. but it was a long long run and it like speeds up and this guy is just running to the rail and that, was, and that was basically you <laughs> and that was me i was like i didn't run because like i said i felt safe having the snake that passes but by the time from the gate opening to me just going straight to the stage the rail was already pretty much full wow that's crazy so yeah, yeah so i guess that you know even though you're in the snake pit wherever you are it's going to be a good view but there's still rail access yeah man that's cool i would love to do yeah. a snake pit show one day i've never done that i've seen metallica five times now uh, I've done the rail like with with Sarah and Clint one time. I was actually one person behind. I was right behind Clint because I'm the tall guy. But um, and this poor girl behind me was like <laughs> five two, and I made my way up there. I was that guy, and I was like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but how many times have you seen the band? I've seen them seven times now. Awesome. And of those seven times, I've seen them in five different cities and one other country. Very cool. What other country did you go to? I saw them in Mannheim, Germany, where they played Outlaw Torn. Awesome. What a cool experience. That's so rad. Um, was that your first time going overseas as well? Not personally, but my first time seeing a show in Europe, yeah. I guess. And it was also my first time on rail. So it was incredibly special. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Did you go by yourself or did you meet up with people or have a travel buddy? Um, well, I was in Switzerland because when I was going to grad school, I spent six weeks at the University of Geneva oh, wow. and it just happened to line up when they were doing their European tour. And I was like, as much as I would love to, I can't afford to go see them at more than one show. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do it right. And I got the 
oh my gosh, what was it all nightmare long experience where you get the, you know, pre-access, mm -hmm. you get to do the museum, things like that. I was like, I'm going to just, just do it right. Like I said, and I went by myself and I went to the internight pre-party that they had. And I met up with tons of people from St. Germany who I had never met before, had no contact with. And a couple other people from like the French chapters and just, you know, people that go all yeah. the time and everybody just took me in, made me feel so welcome. And, you know, by the show, by the time of the show, I just had people that I could hang out with in line and be on the rail with and, you know, yeah, people I just knew. So that's really cool. It was really what cool. A cool experience. Yeah. Especially since you were already over there. Um, six weeks in, in Geneva. That's awesome. I've, I've been to Switzerland a few times. Um, very expensive. Like insanely yes. <laughs> expensive. I paid $28 for a burrito one time. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful city, but yeah, it's, it's very expensive. But I mean, what a cool experience for you though, to like spend six weeks going to school there. Yeah, for sure. And thankfully I had a stipend scholarship. So otherwise I'd never be able to afford living there for right, six or weeks. Right. Or Metallica in Germany. Exactly. Wow, that's really cool. That's such an awesome experience. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, so yeah, let's talk about, uh, we'll kind of, you know, run through some highlights that, that, uh, you know, your highlights from the set list. Um, you know, there's a, a really cool nugget that happened at the show. We'll talk about towards the end here. Um, but, uh, yeah. What, what were some highlights for you, uh, you know, going into the set or, or let me ask you this, actually, this is a better question. What, were, were there things you were hoping to hear that either they did play or did not play? I was hoping for those European set list vibes. I mean, I wanted, if they could take any of those set lists and play it at Lollapalooza, I would be stoked. But I think all of us kind of went in expecting, well, it's Lollapalooza. I think Lars was in Europe for a while. They probably haven't been practicing too much. It's probably going to be a generic set list. And we were all totally fine with mm -hmm. that because <laughs> they could have played Enter Sandman 16 times in a row and I would have been happy in the snake pit. Was your, defini was your definition but, of generic like they were going to put Enter Sandman back at the end and things like that? Yeah, probably like the stock quote unquote stock set list of like bell seek rome sad nothing else matters yeah. and you know master of puppets and sandman at the end that right. kind of stuff so i was thinking it'd be you know one of those like a safe set list i guess you could right. say and um it was interesting because we didn't see them actually taping down the set list until they were probably through creeping death which I thought was interesting. Oh, weird. So we didn't really get any spoilers, but we are in the snake pit and the lights go down long way to the top goes ecstasy of gold goes. And I hear the like intro track to whiplash. And I was like, Oh baby, They're here we go. European I was thing. so stoked. I was so excited. I was like, okay, there's hope. Like maybe we'll get some European set list. And, you know, I am a huge, huge Kill 'em All fan. And so anything off of that album mm -hmm. they play, you know, besides Seek and Destroy. Right. <laughs> I love Seek and Destroy, but, you know, we get it every sure. set list. But any, like, special nugget off of Kill 'em All, I'm very excited for. And so when they played Whiplash, I was, you know, beyond excited. Then they went to Creeping Death, played Sandman 3rd. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously the set list was very similar to the European stuff, but. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like there's always this constant joke of like, wow, the Europeans always get better set lists than we do. But it's cool that they they brought that that vibe back with them. Yeah, and obviously I've seen videos from the European shows, but being there in person and seeing 
Sandman in the number three spot, it just felt insanely fresh. Like it was like, okay, like we don't know what's going to, well, we know it's going to be master of puppets or one, but it's like, we don't, we're not waiting for that at the end. We're not knowing that that's going to come and they're going to drag it out. It was like, Oh, like they, they played it and it was quick. And then we went into something else. It was just, yeah. Like I said, felt really, really fresh and exciting to, to see that change up in person. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, having Sandman in the third slot to me is like, I mean, you know, it's been, it's been, I don't know, almost two decades of them playing that last or whatever. So I like that they're kind of treating it a little more casually. They're like, yeah, that's our biggest hit, but we're done with it now. Let's move on, you know? Um, and <laughs> right. I love that song too. I mean, if I put on the black album on my turntable, it's like, I don't skip it ever. Right. It's still awesome. Yeah. So the one thing I noticed in the set list that was kind of cool, not it's not an uncommon song for them to play, but I like that they threw Memory Remains right after Sandman. Yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, Memory is one of those songs I'm probably never going to listen to on my own as it's recorded, but when it's live and everybody does the whoa, it's always fun. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is I saw on the forums after the show, somebody had snapped a picture of the set list and I think Chad's hand when he was putting the the picks on the mic stand and instead of memory, they had cyanide. Oh, really? Okay. So they had done. Okay. So they have done that, uh, you know, a bit over in Europe, but that's that's, So that's interesting. They did. They must've called an audible or something like in the first three songs, like, Hey, let's do memory instead. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. Cause like I said, the set list wasn't taped down until, you know, a couple songs in. So it probably may have been a last minute change, but you know, like I was saying, as someone who loves Death Magnetic, I was super bummed that they swapped those. I yeah. don't know why. Maybe they just weren't comfortable with it, or I think Cyanide may be a longer song. But mm-hmm. either way, I was like, dang it, that would have been so cool. It would have been the cherry on top of an already awesome experience and awesome set. But Yeah, for sure. I wonder if the reason they, they uh, delayed putting set lists out is because maybe they made the call right before they went on. It was like, oh, we got to change that, reprint them. And everybody knew, like, hey, we're doing Whiplash Creep, <clears throat> Sandman, and then we'll change at that point. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I I don't, I guess, I don't often hear about them like making super last minute changes like that. But uh, but I mean, that's cool. I mean, I, I saw you know, I saw Memory live as well, and it's like live. It's with everyone singing that outro, like you said. It's just such a great moment, you know, amongst all the other fans in the crowd mm-hmm. singing that stuff. I love it. Um, well, cool. What, what, what are some other uh, high points for you in the set? I think Dirty Window was my favorite awesome. because I love that they're giving St. Anger some love. And I saw Dirty Window for the first time at the 40th show. And it was just amazing to hear because I never thought I'd hear, you know, a St. Anger song that wasn't St. Anger or Frantic live. Right. Yeah. And to get it twice was insane. And they had their stage show for that song was just so nuts. I mean, it was like flashing strobes and they had this like growling echo under James's voice. So it was just insanely heavy. Cool. And I just was sitting there like mouth agape, like this is fucking awesome. Like (laughs) they, they crushed that song. It was so good. That's awesome. I remember, yeah, I remember when we and Paul and Clint were watching the uh, 40th anniversary live stream and recording our commentary. I mean, we were stoked they were playing it first of all, but then it was like, damn, like, this is like a whole new song compared to the recording, you know, and I'm not even talking about necessarily production, but just, you know, it just sound the heaviness that, you know, I don't know. They, they, this, they really, they play it live to me. Like they've been playing it for the last 20 years. 
Yeah. And I hope it sticks. I do too. And I think that's what, you know, if you don't see it live, doesn't get translated. I mean, I saw St. Anger in Mannheim and, you know, Dirty Window, like I said, at the 40th and at Lollapalooza. But when you see them play those live, it is like another level. I mean, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, they, sure. they kill it and it, it's so heavy. You're right. It totally is. Um, yeah, I hope I, I, I hope I get to see it Metallica A again. Uh, and B, I, w- I would love to see that song live. That would be really cool. Because um, when, when the five times I've seen them, they've never played anything off Saint Anger. You know, I feel like they didn't start doing that until, of course, in Europe. You know, a mm-hmm. couple couple of years ago, uh, when they were doing, you know, Frantic, and and uh, and Saint Anger. Uh, so hopefully one day I'll get to see it. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Any other high points for you? Um, I think whiskey was a lot of fun. I've only seen that one other time at my first show at U.S. Bank Stadium. And I feel like I could be wrong, but personally, I feel like that's a song they kind of leave for the Europe crowd as well. They don't really play it a lot in the U.S. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know some people feel one way or another about it, but I, I think it's so fun and it's a great song. Yeah. So I was happy they played that. And then getting Battery right before they did one and Master of Puppets was awesome. I think everybody collectively was kind of hoping that they do Damage Inc., Oh yeah. Like they were doing in Europe, but that, I've never yeah. seen damaging. So that would have been a nice little, little, uh, you know, crown jewel. For yeah, me. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be an amazing encore to see, of course. Um, but I can't really mess with battery either. I mean, pretty, I mean this, when they first started, when they rearranged the set, put, you know, salmon up, up higher, um, nothing else matters kind of mid set and started doing the, this, three song punch of battery one and puppets or damage ink one and puppets. It's like, gosh, the encore is just relentless. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, I love battery and that's another song that just goes hard live mm-hmm. and following up with one and the master of puppets was, was great. And like I was saying about inter Sandman, having master of puppets last felt really, really fresh. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it as the final song and they had the stamina to play it do it justice and just kill it. That's so awesome. Well, speaking of master of puppets, um, I saw online that in their video content for the song, they included Eddie Munson from stranger things playing the solo. I assume that, I assume that clip went up as the solo was happening. Yes. So as they started the intro to master of puppets, it was almost comical with how many like shrieking, probably female girls there were you know just reacting to that they're like oh like yay so that, that was kind of cool but really funny because yeah. that didn't happen any other time in the set and when they were doing that opening riff the clips of eddie were playing on the screen and they had it kind of like the stranger things black and red and that was oh, kind cool. of how they were doing the light show and i thought that was really neat i i just thought it was like okay it's doing Stranger Things justice, giving a nod to that scene, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I watch Stranger Things. I'm almost done with season four. I think I'm on the second to last episode, but they're so long. It's like watching a movie. So uh, it's taken me a while to get through it. The, I mean, the last two songs alone, uh, songs, sorry, excuse me, last two episodes alone are, are full length movies. I mean, one's like an hour and 40 minutes. The other one's like, t- like 220 or something. Right. So, I mean through social media and through Instagram, through Metallica, I've seen that Eddie scene where he's playing in the upside down mm-hmm. a lot. I have no context for what leads up to that kind of, cause I'm not quite there yet, right. but 
as I'm not like a diehard Stranger Things fan, but as someone who watches the show and is on the current season, I thought it was really cool to see that. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was neat. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I, I finished it a few weeks ago. Um, I, th- I thought the last two episodes were fantastic. You know, the really, the longest ones. Really, the last three are pretty long. Um, and it's cool that, you know, that, you know they had that much content and that much story to tell that they could make basically a movie at the end of it. Um, and I don't know how you feel, but I, I'm, I've become a big fan of the show and I do love that they've already announced the Duffer brothers already announced that season five will be the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the one thing I hate is when shows go on too long and at the same time I'm a fan of it and I'm like, well crap, I have to finish it. Like the walking dead is a good example. They're on the last season, but it's season 11. Oh my God. I didn't even know that show was still going. It's still going. <laughs> and I'm still, I still watch it because I read the comics I started watching the show like right when it came out and I've, I've committed this long, so why not keep going? Right. Right. But I do like that stranger things is they have like, they've got a, a, a bookend already in the, you know, set, you know, to conclude the story, you know? And I think, I think that'll be great. Um, I feel the same way with like breaking bad and better call Saul. It's like mm-hmm. six seasons each, a lot of good content in there and we're going to cut it off and that's it. Yeah. Um, do you watch those shows, those shows, by the way? I love Breaking Bad, and I love Better Call Saul. I have not watched the newest season of Better Call Saul, though. It's I'm waiting fantastic. for it to drop on Netflix. Okay, well, you're going to have to wait a while. <laughs> I thought it was going to be July, but I guess not. I mean, well, I mean, so it's still currently airing. So there's three oh, the, so okay. there's three episodes left, and then the show's done. Um, so every Monday night, I'm just, whether I'm on the road or at home, I'm like, I, I, no plans. I... 8 30 p.m i'm watching better call Saul because i I was a breaking bad has like become my favorite show of all time i've watched the series like three times yeah Um, i i feel that i massive breaking bad fan yeah it's great and i think better call Saul is i think it's honestly just as good in a in a bit of a different way um but then you know you have the same team doing both shows so it's you know anything Vince Gilligan's going to do in that world is going to be great he's not going to do anything kind of half-assed yeah no it's a it's a killer show so the other cool little thing that happened at, uh, during the day at the show, which none of us really knew about until afterwards, is that Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie on Stranger Things, came to the show to meet mm-hmm. the band. He, he and Metallica posted this great little montage of him at the show. You can tell how genuinely excited he was. Oh know, yeah, to meet these dudes. He's a guitar player. I mean, he you know he learned the song for the for the that episode. Um, I know it was somebody else's hands for the solo, but you know, there's clips of him online, like practicing the song, you know, mm-hmm. before filming or whatever, but it was just really cool to see him, like get to meet the band. They gave him like a BC rich guitar, just like the one in the show and they all signed it for him. And then he got to jam with them in the tuning room and play master of puppets. I know how many people's dream is he living? That was, that was so cool. And I didn't realize it was, <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't realize he was there until, you know, they posted that clip the day after the show, but yeah. To see him grinning and kind of dancing around the snake pit and then going backstage with them was, oh, he was, in the snake was pit? so awesome. I For a brief second in that clip, he was in the snake pit. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think he was there for a little bit in the show too. I had no clue because obviously yeah. I was focused on being right up close with Metallica. But yeah, he was in the snake pit for some part of the day, cool. which would have been really awesome to see him. But I would imagine yeah. in the midst of a, a Metallica show, it might be kind of, you might not recognize him right away. Plus obviously he doesn't have like the, the long hair and that kind of hairdo in real life. 
and he's not, you know, in the, in the upside down. So, um, <laughs> there's not Demobats coming after him, but you know, if you look over, you might not even you know realize it's him. Cause you're up there watching, you know, wherever I may roam and all excited and stuff like that. So he, I, I feel like you, I wonder if he was probably kind of free to, dare I say, roam around the snake pit. I'm sure he was because even the people next to me, I forgot about completely when Metallica was on stage. It was like, I was just in the moment. And I'm sure everybody else who's diehard enough to be in the snake pit probably feels the same way. I, yeah. I would never be able to recognize his face when Metallica's on stage. That's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, good for him. What, what, a, what a cool thing to experience. I mean, not only were you a part of, you know, this current season of one of the biggest shows around, but, you know, it seems like he's genuinely a fan and he, you know, got to meet, you know, his heroes and got a guitar and got to play with them. I mean, I couldn't imagine being like, hey... Like in that video, it's like, hey, do you remember the song? And he's like, oh, I'm a little rusty. And they get in there and they start playing it. It's like, <laughs> man, I couldn't, I feel like I would be too nervous and I'd just mess up the whole time. But I don't know. But um, what a cool experience that Joseph Quinn got to, got to have. Yeah. And I'm really happy about it because it was awesome. And it shows how we all know that the dudes in Metallica are so genuine and down to earth and inviting them into their space and jamming with him and things like that. It just, you know, shows that they're, mm -hmm. they're just awesome dudes. And that coupled with the stranger things graphics on the screen, I think was awesome. I know there's a lot of people out there who are kind of trying to gatekeep and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe you heard about Metallica through stranger things. Like you're not a real fan. I'm like, I'm so glad they embraced it because why wouldn't totally. you? I don't care. I really don't. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah. And like I said, as someone who's a fan of stranger things and Metallica, it was, it was just really awesome to see that in the crowd. I, I loved it. I mean, I'll bet, you know, back in the late eighties, when I first saw the one video on MTV, there was probably some OG fans back then. They're like, I can't believe these kids are hearing about Metallica on MTV. That's so lame. You know, it's the same thing. It's like <laughs> yeah. every era of the band, there's probably, there's probably, fans like that that like think it's lame like well it's like well how did you get into it like you weren't friends with james hetfield in downey california like somebody turned you on to it maybe it was your babysitter who knows yeah so who cares how you get into the band as long as you're there it's like hey you got into it through stranger things wonderful if you want to check out the rest of the stuff it's all there you know and and welcome welcome aboard you know yeah it was funny because during the set i can't remember what song afterwards but james was kind of bantering being like how many of you is it your first time seeing metallica and tons and tons of people just screamed and yeah. cheered and he was like where have you been <laughs> <laughs> he was like shocked he's like oh my god like hundreds of thousands of people are like suddenly into metallica where yeah. where have these people been before but it's great like a band that's been around as long as Metallica has mm -hmm. and still new people every single day are getting introduced to their music. It's, right. it's incredible. That's gotta be pretty mind blowing for those guys. You know I mean? They've seen it all. They've done it all. They've, they've played it all, but to still, you know, 40 plus years into their career, it's like, well, people are still discovering our music. That's, that's pretty wild, you know? And, and, and here's the thing. It could be through their parents. It could be through a brother or sister or maybe a TV show, but you know, and they're there and they're showing up and they're having a good time. And, uh, that's all that matters, I guess, right? Yeah, that's what's important, that you like it and you connect with it. Exactly. As we wrap it up here, uh, remind everybody where they can find you in your chapter head, or in your chapter, excuse me, your <laughs> chapter, your chapter head is on your shoulders, um, where they can find, find, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, 
uh, where they can find you and, and reach out um, through different social media platforms. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram through Minnesota Met Club. Instagram is what I use the most. I forget to post on Facebook all the time. So yeah, find us on Instagram, reach out, follow us and let's have fun. There you go. And hopefully the next time uh, Clint and I come through uh, Minneapolis, are you in, are you in Minneapolis? Technically St. Paul, but Twin okay. Cities. Yeah. Twin Cities, tomato, tomato. You it's know. the same thing. I prefer Minneapolis. I understand. St. <laughs> Paul has gotten a lot cooler over the years. I will say that. Yeah, it's it's trying, but yeah, you know. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully next year or something, maybe we come through and, and maybe we're uh, we're playing in, on on Prince's holy ground at some point next year. Um, and you can come out to a show. We'd love to have you. And uh, and thanks again for doing Metal Tales. And uh, your story was great. Excuse me, I just hit my microphone almost off my desk. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was a pleasure having you for your first time on Metal Tales and, um, yeah, loved hearing your experience. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. I've been listening to the podcast for so many years and it's my favorite podcast. So stoked to be able to do this. Did you get into our podcast because of stranger things? Cause that's lame. I know. Yeah. I actually <laughs> just started listening two episodes ago. Eddie wore a Metal Pure <laughs> podcast shirt and now my favorite podcast is sold out. It's you guys lame. are sellouts. <laughs> stop it now fine we're done this is our last episode <laughs> thanks amanda yeah thanks ethan if you were our advisor what would you say then i would say delete that